0: belong become believe you're listening to grace church of northwest arkansas podcast the message for july 16th 2023 is called chosen the speaker is suzanne bridges and the location is Clark auditorium mount sequoia in fayetteville arkansas well good morning everyone my name is Suzanne Bridges, and I am delighted to be here with you all today. Um, I'm just thankful to God uh, for the opportunity um, and how he has used John Ray to invite me here to be with you all today. And so I know that um, you all have been walking through um, the book of Exodus, and so um, we will pick up there today um, at chapter 19. So a little bit about me. Um, I have been living in Northwest Arkansas for 18 years, and uh, college brought me here, uh, U of A, and I stayed, met my husband. Um, I moved here as a single mom, and so um, I I just, the Holy Spirit was telling me I couldn't stay where I was, that it was time for me to move. Um, And so I just thank God for the courage to do that and to come here as a single mom. And so I worked full time, went to school full time. Uh, met my husband, and then three kids later, we're we're here, and we're still in Northwest Arkansas. And so I call Fayetteville home now, and and I love this community. Um, A little bit about me. I have uh, been a member of St. James Church for the past 10 years and uh, been a minister, associate minister for them for the past three years. Um, And so God has once again transitioned me, and so I will actually start with Genesis Church, Um, tomorrow. And so I'll be there uh, with Pastor Jody Farrell and uh, working in outreach. And so I'm excited about that as well. And so um, I am thankful to Pastor Curtis and I am also thankful to Pastor Jody Farrell. And so join me uh, right now in prayer for our time. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for this day, Lord. I thank you for health, life, and strength, Lord. May I never take the breath that you blow into my body for granted, God. Lord, I am thankful that you have given me the opportunity to stand before your people this morning, Lord, to proclaim your goodness, to proclaim your faithfulness, to proclaim, God, that you are so restored to God, that you continue all the time to seek to restore us back to you. And, God, we just say thank you. Lord, I'm thankful for Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful for salvation, Lord, that you have given us through him, Lord, that I could not give myself. God, I am incapable And so, God, I say thank you. Lord, be with us during this time, Lord. I pray, God, that um, my speech is is, uh, articulated clearly, Lord. I pray for um, clear thoughts, God. And, Lord, I pray for your spirit to speak through me today, Lord. God, I ask you to mute from my mouth, anything that Suzanne wants to say, and God, that I only speak the words that you have ordained for your people at this time. So, God, I give you all the glory. I give you all the praise. And in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Okay, so if you will turn with me to the Book of Exodus, um, we're at we're going to be at chapter nineteen, starting at verse four. And if you have, if you'll stand with me while we read the Word of God together. Know. Okay, starting uh, so chapter 19, starting at verse 4, and it reads, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Amen. You all may be seated. Thank you, God, for your word. I have a heavy Bible, you all, so just (laughs) bear with me as I shift just a little bit. So most recently, um, here in the month of June, um, God blessed uh, me along with my church, uh, St. James the Grove, um, to partner with an organization known as Filter of Hope. And so uh, for St. James, it was their first time going on a um, foreign mission trip. And uh, my dear sister Angie is here with me today. She went on that trip as well. Um, and so it was such a time because two churches came together, partnered Um, And for many that went on the trip, it was their first time to share the gospel. Um, And so we we did that. And then we also uh, gave these free water filters. Now, water filters, you all were amazing because they last up to 10 years. And so if you're familiar a little bit with Cuba, you know, it's a third world country. You know that um, clean water um, is, you know, something that's hard to come by. And so the fact that we were able to um, bless the, the folks there, um, with these filters was was tremendous. Um, and so as we were preparing for the trip, we wanted to make sure that we weren't leading and that we were not going to share the gospel in and of ourselves, but that we were going to be led by the Holy Spirit what to say, what words to use and sharing our testimony um, because it's in the power of the testimony, right that connects hearts, Um, and so we, we had a time, um, and, and it was, it was so amazing in that we also worked and partnered with the local church. So it was two local churches that we, we partnered with as well there. And so we would walk to different communities, um, and visit with folks and, you know, we, we would get different responses, right? Um, from, from people after sharing the gospel with them. The people were so welcoming. They welcomed us into their homes, um, and so that was great, um, but just different experiences. Um, and so... The the religion there is Catholicism. If you Google Cuba right now, it's gonna show Catholicism. They have a strong presence of a religion called centuria that's there, and that's a combination really of Catholicism and like Yor- 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 Yoruba, African spiritual um religion. And so it's ultimately a, a religion of idolatry. Okay, so they pray to the saints. They also um, give uh, sacrifices and they give their money and they give fruits and vegetables and they give all these things to different saints. Um, And they have to give in order for their prayers to be answered. Um, And so, as you can imagine, as we enter their, their homes and we are sharing with them that the salvation of Jesus is free, you don't have to pay for it. There's nothing that you could do to earn it but it's by God's grace alone. And so I just want to share that with you all before we get into the, t- the text today. Um, so God is the ultimate restorer. God rescues the Israelites from the bondage of slavery. God restores identity, purpose, and relationship. And when we think of restoration, we often think of it as the act of returning something to its former condition. And it is that but God is the ultimate restorer and he seeks to restore us back to him. We are chosen by God and we must make the choice to respond. And it's that part that sometimes we miss, Um, but we must make the choice to respond. And so my question for us today to think about friends is in what areas of our lives are we seeking restoration from God? In what areas of our life Are we seeking restoration from God? God's chosen people had been living in Egypt for 430 years, 400 years of multiple generations. Now this exact length of time and the number of generations that those, that that number consisted of is contested by scholars. Okay. So if you want to go down that rabbit hole, Go ahead. Uh, But we know that it's 430 years because scripture reads in Exodus chapter 12, verse 40, that the Israelites had lived in Egypt for 430 years. And so that is over 400 years of being surrounded and influenced by the Egyptian culture, a culture of pagan worship, a religion of idolatry. But as a result of their favor from God and because God always keeps his promises, the Israelites were fruitful and continued to multiply in the kingdom of Egypt. Now, we see evidence of this favor from God as a result of obedience of the midwives, which is found in Exodus 1. So Pharaoh had instructed the Hebrew midwives that upon delivering a male child to kill the male child. Okay, but if it was a female child, you could let you could let her live. This, of course, being enforced by Pharaoh as a means to control the Israelite population. But scripture tells us clearly that Shiphrah and Puah feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. And so they let the male children live. So later in verse 20, And it reads, so God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. But as the years passed, memories of relationships began to fade. No longer did the Pharaoh know, remember, or recognize the valuable contribution that Joseph had made. Memories of valuable relationships had faded, and with it, the past valuable contributions. And so we have the Pharaoh of the day that is fearful of the Israelites. Why fear, you ask? Well, he knew they were becoming outnumbered, and he was led by fear that the Israelites would overpower them by joining their enemies and taking everything that they had. And so this fear of being overpowered, this fear of losing your way of life that you deem is better, this fear of being inferior to another group of people, this fear of suddenly becoming the minority when you've always been the majority, this fear of always being in the group of the haves, and oh, what if we suddenly are in the group of the have-nots? This fear, this fear is real friends and even as we study and we comb through the scriptures of what happened then we must never for a moment believe that it can't or won't happen again because we know that this fear that causes people to enslave other groups of people to maintain power to build economic fortresses and to strip them of their god-given identity This fear of, I don't want to be treated the way that I have for so long treated them. This fear is real, friends, and we have seen fear lead people of this country and throughout the world repeating the same mistakes of the past. We as humans are forgetful, and we must constantly be reminded, constantly taught accurate history to remember and reflect lest we continue to repeat the sins of the past. And so in the text, the Egyptian pharaoh has forgotten that if God had not used Joseph in the miraculous way that he did, not only would the Israelites have died to the famine, but guess who else? The Egyptians would have also. And it was because of the favor that God had placed on Joseph and the fact that God always keeps his word that the current Pharaoh is Pharaoh. But oh, how we forget our history. But I'm so glad that despite our forgetfulness, and I'm the first one to say that I am very, very forgetful, uh, God doesn't forget. I'm so glad that when God makes a promise, he always keeps his promise. Is there anyone here today that is a witness that God always keeps his promises? That we serve a God that doesn't forget because he's omniscient. We serve a God that doesn't change because he's immutable. We serve a God that always keeps his word. He doesn't forget, doesn't backtrack. Oh, when did you tell me? No. We serve a God, and I don't know if this has happened to you all, but it's definitely happened to me. And I marveled. this I marvel at God when this happens to me but have you ever like prayed a prayer to God and asked for something and literally you forget right and then but he remembers and then later on the prayers ends and you're like Lord thank you I Lord I Now, we have some prayers that we pray consistently, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, okay? Saying the same prayer, Lord, I'm waiting, right? Um, Nothing wrong with that. It takes faith to pray the same prayer over and over again. So, So never think that that's lack of faith. But I just love the fact that God honors his word, that he never forgets, and he always keeps his promises So in Exodus chapter six, verse six, God tells Moses to tell the Israelites, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. And I'm reading from the NIV translation. Verse nine tells us Moses reported this to the Israelites. But they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. In this chapter six, this is before the Israelites have been freed from the Egyptians. This is what God had instructed Moses to tell the people. This is God's promise to the people. But notice the people did not listen, let alone believe the words from God because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Now, I want to pause there for a second and ask us this question of reflection. How often are we discouraged by our present troubles that we won't even listen to God? How often are we discouraged by our present troubles that we won't even listen to God? We know we need quiet time with God, studying his word and in fellowship with others. We need to constantly be reminded, but we have become so discouraged that we won't even listen. Oftentimes, I know that when I need to get in God's word, that is when I am the most distracted, right? That's when all of my to-dos as a mom and a wife, well, Suzanne, you've got to do laundry, and you really need to load the dishwasher, and you need to go do this, and you got to do this. And all of these things, which really just compounds the stress that I'm feeling, when I know that I just need to stop, Pray, get in God's word. We know we haven't been to church in a while. We know we haven't been to our small groups. And because the trials of life have discouraged us, we won't even listen. It's in these moments of life that we must be reminded that we don't belong to ourselves. God is telling the people what he is going to do and that they belong to him. God is telling them that their identity is not slavery. God is telling them that their gods are not mute idols made of silver and gold. God is telling them that he is going to rescue them and keep his promise that was made to Abraham. And God does just that. In verse 4, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. God demonstrates to a discouraged people who have been stripped of their identity, his power, his faithfulness, and his love. And not only does God demonstrate to the Israelites, but he also demonstrates his power to the Egyptians, right? He demonstrates his power to everyone. God sends Moses to declare to the Pharaoh to let his people go so that they may worship him. A lot of times you all, we've grown up in Sunday school and Bible classes and it's, we always, we have this story memorized, right? And we know this story. And, or some of us have just watched Prince of Egypt or whatever. But we know this story, right? We know that God chooses and raises up Moses and to tell the Pharaoh, let my people go. But we miss out the other part of that. Let my people go so that they may worship God, we can't miss that. God sends 10 plagues upon the Egyptians without any harm being brought upon the Israelites. God frees them from the bondage of slavery. But even after this, the Israelites question, complain, and grumble every time a difficulty arises and you all growing up when I would be in Sunday school and even in in classes I have now and I go back and I read that scripture and I don't know about you you think to yourself why do they keep questioning why do they keep complaining because we know the story right we know we have the scriptures we we have it in front of us so we know what happens. they question they complain and they grumble Every time a difficulty arises, we see this in chapter 13, when God leads them through the desert towards the Red Sea. Exodus 13, 17 uh, scripture reads, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt so God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. And we know that that was a longer route. It's actually 11 days journey, but it took them a lot longer than that, right? Um, and, and so, you know, um, God leads them through. The wilderness, not to punish the Israelites. And, and I always used to approach this text from that mindset. God's punishing them. They keep grumbling and complaining. And, you know, he's taking them on the long route because he's, because he's punishing them. He needs to get them back on track. And it's like God leads them through the wilderness, not to punish them, but to restore them, to restore their identity, to restore them back to him. And so we often view that wilderness seasons of our lives as punishment. God, where are you? God, I'm not hearing your voice. God, I'm praying and I'm asking for direction. and I don't know which way to go. God, are you there? God, I'm praying. Nothing's happened yet, Lord. God, did you get that last prayer I prayed when I said I? Uh, Lord, I'm still here. Lord, I'm still waiting. God, I'm still praying. God, are you there? Do you hear me, Lord? I'm still here. I'm still praying. Do you care? And so we often view the wilderness seasons as punishment, but it's in the wilderness, the desert seasons of life, when trials seem to come one after the next. Does that does it seem like that for you all? When one trouble arises, then other troubles arise. It's like it's not just one at a time, but they always kind of double and triple up. Am I the only one? Y'all can talk back to me. Am I the only one like that? Okay, okay. I'm not alone in that. I'm not alone in that. So it's often in those times when we feel discouraged and we feel hopeless that we can actually hear God the clearest. You know why? Because we're, we're searching and we're waiting for that word from the Lord. So the wilderness, wilderness is not a place of punishment but of restoration. God is constantly seeking to return us back to him. Which takes me to the next point, restored purpose. Exodus 19 verse 5 reads, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. God has not only restored their identity, they are no longer slaves of Egypt, but he has chosen them to be his treasured possession. And so a covenant is an agreement between two parties, That specifies requirements for at least one party and includes blessing and curses for obedience or failure. And I got that definition from the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary Covenant. Now we have seen in, in in scripture God's covenants. He made a covenant with Noah. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. God made a covenant with Abram that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars. And then God establishes a covenant with David when he promises that his throne will be established forever. God has established covenants with individuals. Noah, Abram, then Abraham, right? This is Made that first covenant before and his name was Abram, David. But now God is establishing a covenant with a people, his chosen people. This covenant requires obedience. This covenant is not just an agreement, but it's a relationship between God and his chosen people. This covenant is the restoration of God's presence by covenant relationship. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God had the entire world that he created to choose from. And he chose the Israelites to restore their identity, to restore their purpose and relationship with him. To show the world that he is God, all powerful faithful to his word, immutable, omniscient, and holy. God is so faithful that even when we are faithless, and oftentimes, friends, we are faithless, but that when we are faithless, he is still faithful. God, instead of breaking a covenant, will instead redeem us Because he is the ultimate restorer. That's the God that we serve. That he won't break his word. He won't break his covenant. He'll just redeem us. To restore us back to him. Thank you God. I praise you for that. Thank you Lord. I can't even say that without giving God a praise. Hallelujah Jesus. Thank you Lord. We are chosen by God. And we must respond in obedience to him. Noah was chosen by God and had to make the choice to obey and build the ark when it wasn't raining. Abram was chosen by God and had to make the choice to obey God by moving from his family and homeland. Then he was chosen as Abraham and had to make the choice to sacrifice Isaac. God didn't want Isaac. God wanted Abraham's heart. David was chosen by God and had to make the choice to stand up against Goliath to not kill Saul after Saul repeatedly tried to kill him. Ruth was chosen by God and had to make the choice not to leave Naomi. Esther was chosen by God and had to make the choice to risk her life and approach the king to save her people. I have a I have a spoiler alert. The Israelites in verse 8 choose to obey God. And scripture reads, all respond together. We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses takes their answer of acceptance of this covenant back to the Lord. The Lord gives them the law, what we know as the Ten Commandments or the Mosaic Law. And the first command being, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, the Israelites have experienced the hardships of bondage, oppression, so much so that they cried out to the Lord and God responded. God rescues them and restores them back to himself. God is constantly reminding them through his humble servant Moses that he is the Lord, their God, our God, who has brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. It is the Lord God who you have seen for yourselves the miracles that he has performed. He has parted the Red Sea so that you and your families could walk through safely. He has protected you from Pharaoh when he tried his best to chase down the Israelites and put them back in bondage because he started having second thoughts. I let these people go and now all their services and all the hard work that I'm getting for free. I'm having second thoughts, so I'm running after them. It is the Lord God who led his chosen people as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It is the Lord God who provided the daily manna from heaven to feed his chosen people. It is the Lord God who provided quail after what did they do, friends? Complaining, complaining and grumbling. It was the Lord God who provided water from a rock to quench the thirst of His chosen people. We see over and over again in Scripture how God rescues, provides, and restores for His chosen people. We will read the scriptures, and if you are like me, will say to yourself, "Lord, why, Lord, why can't they just believe that You will provide?" We read this as a story, right? It's a narrative, Lord, what? Why can't they just believe that you will provide over and over again? They complain and you provide over and over again. Why, Why can't they just believe that you wouldn't bring them this far to leave them now? How could the Israelites repeatedly not trust in God? And we will leave from church this very day. And as we're walking in the parking lot, we will complain that we have to go to work tomorrow. We will mindlessly scroll on social media and compare our lives with lies and think about how much we don't have in comparison to others. <gasps> the Donalds' went on another vacation? Lord, I, you don't know all the work I'm doing. I never got a chance to take my family to Hawaii. We do it mindlessly. Oh, Jim went to the Razorback game? Mm, Great. Oh, okay. Sally got a new car. Oh, yeah. Good for Sally. Lord, you know I need a new car. I don't have air conditioning. My seats broke. All the things. But we'll read Exodus and we'll say to ourselves, why do those Israelites complain and complain? Don't they know that God provides? Friends, don't we know that God provides? Don't we know? that God restores. And so God has repeatedly provided for us, sustained us, protected us, and so instead of reading these scriptures as if they don't apply to us, because oftentimes that's what we do, let's be reminded not to repeat the same mistakes. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Apostle Paul tells us, for I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. God in his faithfulness chose to restore us back to him by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. God, the ultimate restorer, knew before he spoke the universe into existence that he would restore us back to him. God, the ultimate restorer, knew that we would fail, knew that we would not be able to hold up our end of the agreement. And because he restores what the law could not fix, he stepped into time because God is not limited to time, space, or matter, and walk this earth for three years, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, shattering cultural barriers, feeding the hungry. God is the ultimate restorer. God, the ultimate restorer, sent his son Jesus as an innocent, No sin existed in Jesus. Righteous lamb to lay down his life for you and I. And friends, if we ever think that we don't need the gospel, we need the gospel every day. We must be reminded every day that we all fall short. None of us in here are perfect. And we won't be on this side. Every day that God decides to blow breath in our bodies, we need Jesus. Every moment, we need Jesus. A lot of times for us, especially for those, as I call them, seasoned saints, oh, I know the gospel. I, I'm, I'm a believer, and I've accepted Jesus as my Savior, and we need the gospel every single day day every day we need to be reminded that we fall short and that it is by God's grace alone nothing that Suzanne could do I couldn't go to church enough I can't teach and preach enough sermons I can't uh donate enough feed the feed the homeless that is not what is saving me and that is not what is saving you what saves you is Jesus the ultimate sacrifice who laid down his life for you and I. And we must be reminded of that every single day. Will you stand with me? Stand with me. Friends, any time the gospel has been shared, any time, never want to take for granted that, that everyone here has accepted Jesus as their Savior. But this is an invitation that if you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, that now is the time to come. Now is the time. Jesus, by God's grace alone, saves us. He died on the cross, and oh, it wasn't just any death. They whipped him They beat him, and when they whipped him, they whipped him with a a, known as a cat of nine tails. And so as the the whip would go out, it had pieces of bone and glass, and it was meant to remove the flesh from Jesus' back. And so as we just close our eyes, as we think about the death of Jesus, as we think about the beating as we think about them plucking from his beard, as we think about them berating him and mocking him, as we think about the fact that all of his disciples had wandered off. Peter at this point had denied him three times. He's alone. As we think about his mother crying for her baby, as we think about the brutality that was inflicted upon our Savior. And he did it and took it for you and I because of our sin to fulfill the righteous requirement that we could not, we couldn't complete, the law couldn't complete. It took a sacrifice, an innocent life to restore us back to God. And so while every eye is closed and and heads are bowed, if there's anyone, That has never accepted Jesus as their Savior, please come. And even as he is being asphyxiated, he was no oxygen coming to his lungs as he hung there on the cross for hours and laid down his life. And then he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And that's not, as we say, how the story ends, because we serve a God that three days later. Beat death for you and I. And friends, he is with our Heavenly Father, interceding on our behalf right now. God, we thank you that you are the ultimate restorer. God, we thank you that you set a plan into place, Lord, before the beginning of time to restore us back to you, Lord. We say thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for your word. God, I thank you that you are a restorer. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are constantly seeking to restore us back to you, Lord. God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for salvation. God, I thank you, Lord, that there was nothing that I can do, God, but it is by your grace alone, God. Lord, I thank you that you keep your promises, Lord. I thank you that you keep your word, Lord. I thank you, God, that even in our insufficiency, we can't keep a covenant to save our lives, God, but you redeem us, God, and we say thank you. Lord, if there's anyone here in this room, God, that has not accepted you, Lord Jesus, as their Savior, Lord, I pray for them right now, God. Lord, I ask for your spirit to go forth, God, to give them the courage to make the most important decision of their life. God, that you would be their savior. God, that they would have abundant life in you now, God, and eternal life with you later. God, we say thank you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for all of us present and those online, God. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You all may be seated. I want to leave you with this final question. What areas of your life are in need of restoration from God? God is the ultimate restorer. What areas? Is it your marriage? Is it your relationship with your kids? What areas of your life are in need of restoration from God? Now, friends, we will now transition to communion. I'm going to read as I turn my Bible. Bear with me. I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. starting at verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, After supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. If you would like to give, you can go to gracechurchnwa.org forward slash give. You can find more about us online at gracechurchnwa.org. Grace and peace.